This episode is brought to you by StormPath.com. User identity made simple. This is the Laravel News Podcast, your one-stop podcast to find out about Laravel-related news, tutorials, packages, and more. Here are your hosts, Eric Barnes and Jack Frew. Hello and welcome to the Laravel News Podcast. I am Eric Barnes and with me as always is Jack Frew. How are we doing, Jack? I'm doing great. Thanks, Eric. And welcome back from break. Thanks uh, to all our listeners for tuning back in after a month off. Yeah, it's crazy. So much happened in that last month. Yeah. So uh, a lot has happened. What do we have on the agenda today, Eric? Let's see. We have uh, Laravel 5.2 was actually released since the last episode. Um, Lumen 5.2 is released now. Laracon was announced. Yeah, Laracon. And pricing and stuff is set now. I think it was announced the la- you know before our last one, but the pricing is set now. Early bird tickets are available and uh, just a whole bunch of stuff going on. Awesome. So uh, Laravel 5.2 is now released. That came out back in December, and uh, it's got a lot of good new features into it. Um, and, and some old features have uh, remade an appearance. Yes, the auth scaffolding is back, which is uh, it's exciting for me, at least. It, it is back, and... I, Eric, I don't remember the details, but it seemed to me that it might actually be improved a little bit. Did you have a chance to look at it yet? Um, I did not pay attention to that. I have spun up a new app and ran through it, but I didn't really pay attention to what was different from the way it used to be. What I don't remember is, do you remember when it used to be there? Was it just sign-in or did they have a registration form before? It was uh, sign-in and registration. Oh, was it? Okay, because I think I had only seen or used the registration and I noticed the sign-in. So that, that actually threw me for a loop because my app, what I was doing is I was protecting the like, you know, backend admin screens by just saying, if you're logged on, you can get to this area. Well, now that there's this publicly accessible, like create your own account, anybody can be logged on. So I had to kind of go back one step more and like figure out the authorization piece in addition to the authentication. Uh, and I was actually really pleased with the authorization piece, which I think, did authorization come along with 5.1 or was that 5.2? That was 5.1, yeah. Yeah, but it was the first time I had really used it, which was just this recently after doing an upgrade. And speaking of upgrade, uh, there's, uh, I, I think you might have uh, posted on this, there was a service that does some kind of upgrade for you now. Have you seen that? Yeah, I, I covered it. Uh, actually, it'll be last week. Uh, it's called Shift. It's uh, some guy who decided to make an easy way of upgrading from basically from Laravel 5.2 all the way up to the latest version. Um, you just kind of pick what version you're at now, and then it'll automatically do it and create a pull request. It is a paid service. Oh, uh, we need them to sponsor our podcast. Yeah, it's like $7 or something. I mean, it's really... Pretty cheap, then. Yeah, I mean, it's worth that just to not have to deal with it. Yeah. So I haven't tried it, but I, I thought it was a neat uh, idea for a product offering. The way I upgraded my app this time is I did, uh, what's the word? Lift and drop or lift and shift? I I basically created a brand new 5.2 project and then I copied all of my stuff over and then, you know, like altered the, you know, the, the corresponding files, like the app config and stuff like that. And the reason I did that this time is when I upgraded from 4 something to 5.0, I felt like I had followed the instructions. And then I went back later and looked at the instructions and I, maybe it's just me, but it felt like the instructions like we're added to after the fact. I don't know if that's if that really happened or whatever. Maybe I just missed a few things the first time. But uh, for example, the big thing is between four and five, if you go to add a service provider, uh, in the list of service providers, 
the old one just had like the name of the service provider and now it has like colon colon class. Right. Right. And what I found is that when I upgraded, like there really wasn't anything in the documentation to tell me how to upgrade to that methodology. And I think I even like put something on Twitter and the answer came back. Well, it's optional. You don't have to do it that way. And for me, that's fine. But I was like, I don't, I know I don't have to do it that way, but if that's the way that 5.0 is doing it, it's the way I want it to be, right? Right. So my my kind of like uh, shift and drop or whatever you want to call it, I didn't use that guy's service, it actually went out pretty well. And it was actually, I think, a nice like educational piece for me to kind of remember the steps of setting up this stuff. I enjoyed that and I had pretty good luck. I was going to say, and that version 4.2 to 5, was it was kind of a crazy upgrade, if I remember. There was a lot to it. That wasn't just a simple you know, update composer and you're done. It was, it was more, more in depth. Yeah. So um, what kind of things in 5.2 are you excited about? I actually, besides the off scaffolding, the implicit model binding, uh, I like that. I do. I really like that. I, I wonder if implicit stuff like that is, is good or bad. I used to work with a different framework for a little bit and a lot of that framework worked on convention. And while that's probably awesome if you can memorize and remember all of the conventional stuff, as a new person, I actually found that to be very challenging because things were like working, but you didn't understand why. You know what I mean? So, you know, in that sense, I think it's it'll probably be good for me like in another year when I'm like more comfortable with things. But in the short term, it's also like, you know, every time something happens magically, it's actually, I think, a little harder for people who are trying to learn and understand how things work, right? Kind of like the primary key in a model, right? The primary key is assumed to be ID, but there isn't by default in the model, there's not a a field that says primary key equals ID. So if your primary ID is different, like you have to understand, like, you know what I mean? Like you have to find it. It's not just right there in front of you and you're like, oh, I just have to change this, you know? So that kind of thing. The other thing I saw that I thought you had uh, some thoughts on before was the form validation for repeating fields, right? Like if you have uh, multiple line items in an order, uh, the validation of that seems like it just got a whole lot easier. Yeah, it did. It's it's, uh, 100% better than the, the old way of having to, kind of for each through all the array and and build out your validation manually and do all this crazy stuff. That's pretty awesome. Um, and there's some other details. I'm sure if you're listening, you can you, know, you probably already looked into it. Anyway, yeah, 5.2's out. We've used it and uh, I've had no trouble with it. So I think that's, uh, that's a pretty cool thing. Now also out this week, actually, so like 5.2 was out like right before the holiday, uh, Lumen 5.2 was released. And uh, it was released with a focus on backend APIs with 5.2. And then I just read a tweet. I don't know if you saw this one, Eric. Uh, 5.2.1 is going to bring back views. So apparently, I think what happened was 5.2 must have removed views. Like it must have been like, you know what, we're just going to make this a high performance backend API. And then there must have been enough people that said, gosh, you know, I was I was using Lumen and I was using some views. And and, and now 5.2.1 is going to include those views. And I don't, I don't know if 5.2.1 is actually out or if it was just announced that that's going to be out with, with views. But Right. Yeah, uh, I, I did see that. Um, I don't know if it's out yet or not either. Um, but yeah, and, and I, I do like that Lumen is now going really focused on just the the API end of it. Yeah, you know, I think that's helpful. Before it was like you might want to start a, a real small app on Lumen or something, but you always end up just going to Laravel anyway, or at least in my case, that was always the um, what ended up happening. So it's nice that it has that, you know, particular I agree. I, th- I think whenever there's like a strong marketing message about this is the tool and this is why you would use it, I think it helps everybody, right? It'll help tailor focus uh, areas of performance on things that are, are good for APIs and it'll help users know when they should use one or the other. So, mm-hmm. um, so that stuff was pretty cool. Our sponsor for today's episode is StormPath. Let me tell you a little bit about them. 
Stormpath does enterprise-level authentication as a service. Let me give you five reasons why you might want to use Stormpath's authentication service. Number one, if you have multiple Laravel applications and want to use the same user ID and password across all of them, think Stormpath. Number two, if you need multi-factor authentication like a text to your phone during sign-in, think Stormpath. Number three, if you're going after large enterprise customers and need single sign-on with that customer's in-house Active Directory, think Stormpath. Number four, if your customers demand account separation from other customers on your system, think Stormpath. Number five, if you need to share application data with other applications using OAuth, think Stormpath. This is just a little bit of what Stormpath has to offer. Oh, and guess what? Stormpath has free accounts for developers. These aren't trials. They don't expire, and there's no credit card needed. Interested? Head over to stormpath.com and sign up for the free developer account today. That's stormpath.com, S-T-O-R-M-P-A-T-H.com. Let's talk about Laracon for a minute. So Laracon was announced. I think we talked about the dates the last time around. What was released this last week is that their website is now live and has been updated. So Laracon.us now has uh, some information on there. Uh, there's a few talks or a few speakers, I should say, listed. I don't think any talks are listed yet, and they're still accepting speaker submissions. So if you, as a listener, are listening to this and you think you'd like to talk at Laracon, uh, submit your talk now. Uh, the earlier you get in, the better, I think, is generally the rule of thumb for this kind of stuff. One thing I did notice is there is a price increase slash decrease in Laracon this year, and I wonder how many folks that'll affect. So what's happened is the price, because we went from a two-day conference to a three-day conference, right? With the addition of that extra day, that means the conference is going to be more expensive in two ways, right? It means most folks will need an extra night's hotel stay, and it also means that the price of the conference went up. All right, we just got some new information about the conference pricing, so I want to relay that here. The uh, original pricing of the conference was going to be $425 for all three days. There is now a new two-day option for $325. So basically the way it works out is if you're interested in that kind of pre-conference workshop, which they are officially calling Tutorial Day, that's on July 27th, uh, the ticket price for that is not available separately, but you can buy that bundled with the conference. It's $425 for all three days, and that's that's what was on their website you know, from the beginning. What was added now is a conference-only price of $325, and that's for just Thursday, Friday, the 28th and 29th. So basically uh, what they're doing is they're giving you the option to choose whether you want to go to the tutorial day or not, and if you don't want to go to that, the conference price for the two days is the same as it was last year, 325. So that's pretty exciting. No, no price increase there. And uh, I think that'll help. Uh, there's, I personally want to go to all of it, but in terms of budgeting and scheduling and all that kind of stuff, I know there's gonna be some folks that can't. So I think this is a great option. I'm really hoping I can get to it. How about you, Eric? Are you, uh, you have any plans? Are you conniving any, uh, any ways to, to get there? I haven't heard yet. Uh, more than likely we will be attending. I know uh, Lara Jobs sponsored last year. So we, we all, um, Everybody from Userscape went, and we just did our whole company meeting there. And oh, that makes perfect sense. Since we're all remote, that kind of gives us one one place a year that we can all meet up and kind of get to know each other. That's a great point, and it's actually something I've heard from a number of different people at different conferences is that they use the conference as a business expense, right? So that the price of the conference is all deductible as well as the travel and all that stuff. Uh, but then they also use it to to get their teams together. So uh, if you're on a remote team, I mean, I think it's. Uh, if you're trying to convince your boss, that's that's actually a good, I think, a good angle to come from and very smart, you know, thing to do, I think. So, yeah. And uh, I, I don't think we actually talked about the dates, right? It's uh, July 27th through 29th. Last year it was in August. It was last year it was actually butted up to Laracon EU. So it was like one week was the the U.S. and then the next week was the EU conference. 
It was. I remember it was like it was like it was like a week in between, but it was pretty close. And the problem in, in August uh, for the U.S. was all the schools were starting that week. So, you know, if you were, you know, if you had had to uh, be at home for your kids or anything like that, then it made it really difficult. Some people couldn't attend because they had to be at home with their kids for that first week of school and they couldn't keep their kids out. Yeah. And, you know, the funny thing is, is even with that, I think they had like almost 500 people attend. Yeah, it was big. It was big. And then the other thing that it was, I thought was really kind of neat about it is it was all, if you've never been to Lyricon or anything like that, it was all people are in one giant theater type room and every, every session that is there, you get to see, right? If you've ever gone to like a big Microsoft conference or I assume Salesforce conference or whatever, you know, when they start getting 20,000 people, you know, what you do is you set up these rooms that have like, you know, a couple hundred people each and you run 20 sessions at a time. Right. And then whenever I go to those, I always feel like I missed out on everything else. Right. So this is, I think, really cool. And as far as I can tell, that's going to be the plan this year. I don't think they're breaking it out into like, you have to choose this or that. I think it's going to be like, you get to go and see everything. Right. Right. Well, speaking of the conferences, the Laricon EU has put their tickets on sale too. And have oh, have they? Their website. Right. And that's actually important because you know what? I, I always forget this, but over half of our listening audience is not in North America. Uh, and we have a lot of people in North America, but we have we have a pretty good global audience for this uh, podcast. Yeah. That's important. I'm surprised they can actually understand me. That's kind of uh, impressive. But the EU will be August 23rd and 24th, and uh, they have their pricing. Early bird is 349 pounds, and the regular will be 399 pounds. Yeah, I'm really excited about it. I, I, I'm hoping to find a way down there this year. Okay, so, you know, the other the other news this week, which has been talked about, I know, by lots of folks, is this denial of service attack on Linode. And uh, that attack didn't affect me personally in terms of any sites that I have, but it did affect the podcast because uh, a service that we use called Simplecast hosts, uh, as far as we can tell, hosts on Linode. Is, is that, as you understand it, Eric? I believe so, yes, because it was down... What day was that? I guess it was, I, I've been noticing it on my site, like my the LaravelNews.com site wouldn't load right because I was uh, including the audio snippets. And uh, so, so yeah, it was, it was affected by that. Um, but they've, yeah, it's been going on since Christmas, which is crazy. And it's still going on and today's the, the eighth. Yeah, that's gotta be, I would not want to be the folks over at Linode right now. Um, you know, my understanding, you know, and you probably heard this on the Laravel podcast, Taylor moved all of his stuff off. He moved over to a different platform. It's obviously a bad event, but it's good public awareness and that maybe this is a good time for everybody who's doing this kind of stuff to give some consideration to what is your backup strategy is hosting on a single provider enough. Like one of the things I had always thought is that when I get to a level where my app is production and I'm making some money on it, I always kind of figured I would use two different providers, right? Uh, and, and two different regions, just so if something happens, you know, maybe there's a, a big power outage or whatever, you've got, you've got something somewhere. But depending on how you do your app and, you know, trying to replicate data, that's obviously tricky stuff. And I think it's stuff that we're probably going to hear more and more about as time goes on just because of this, because, you know, Linode, somebody made a comment, you know, it's happened to Linode and it hasn't happened, for example, to DigitalOcean, but it doesn't mean that it couldn't. It's quite possible. So... Our condolences to anybody who's listening to this podcast who's been affected either directly or, of course, the worst way you could be affected is you came here to listen to this podcast and it took you an extra day to download it. And if that's the case, we appreciate your perseverance. Anything else on your end? No, nothing else uh, that I can think of. I've got one thing that I wanted to talk about that's kind of development related, but it's kind of uh, it's kind of not real technical. So if you normally listen to this podcast for the Laravel stuff, that stuff is over. And I just want to chat about project management a little bit now. First of all, as a as an IT person, I don't like the word project management. And part of that is because early in my career, 
uh, I worked with somebody whose official title was project manager, and they worked for this project management office or PMO. And that person thought they were the most important person in my entire company. And it was just kind of uh, annoying or whatever, right? I, I think for me personally, like, you know, renegade coding, cowboy coding, like you just want to get in there and do stuff and you don't really want like a project plan per se and stuff like that. But in big companies, a lot of companies do pretty heavy project planning before they do any kind of development. And the reason I'm even talking to all of you about this right now is that I did something over the holidays that like literally probably took my development that I was working on from a standstill crawl to like very, very rapid pace development. And it's not like I needed some special tool or anything like that. It was really just a matter of focusing myself. Okay. And there's this, there's this development methodology called scrum, which I was exposed to a few years ago back in a, at work, a big fortune 500 company. And I was really impressed with scrum not you know, people called it a project management methodology. I was impressed with it from the perspective of a people management methodology. Now, I, I didn't do Scrum for my own stuff. I used kind of like a variation of it. Here's what I did: um, a lot of nights, I would come home from my day job to and say I should do some programming. Okay, but that's very very vague, right? I wouldn't have like an exact thing like tonight I'm going to accomplish this or I'm going to accomplish that. So what I would do is I would load up a video game instead, right? I would say, I should do some programming, but first I'm going to play a game. And then, like, of course, it's 10 o'clock, and then you're kind of tired, and you don't do the programming, right? It was just like, I don't want to say it was overwhelming, but it kind of was. There's too much to do. So what I did, and this is kind of a concept I borrowed from Scrum, is I grabbed a pad of Post-it notes, and I started writing down on each Post-it note, like, what do I have to do? For example, uh, PHP 7 came out. So I knew I wanted to build a new machine with PHP 7, right? Laravel 5.2 came out. I knew I wanted to upgrade to that. So I just started writing these post-it notes down and I threw them up on a whiteboard that I have. And, and what, what that did, and again, this is all like, I think emotional, social stuff, like in my head, it's not like it, you know, it's not like I use some new tool that automated some code creation or anything like that. But at the end of every day of work, when I came home, instead of having this kind of like, oh yeah, I should do some coding, but God, it's just so much. I would walk over to my little whiteboard. I would look at these post-it notes that were on it. Sometimes I would kind of move them around to put the more important things up on top. And what I did, I just grabbed one. I'd say, well, you know what? I could do this. This will take me 15 minutes. Let me do this first. Then I'll do, you know, my, I'll watch TV or play a game or whatever, right? And I, what I found is that, like, I, I probably made it through, like, 15 notes in a short period of time. I got more work done in a week or two during the holidays than I probably have done on this project in six months. And it was all due to, like, self-organization and all that stuff. And I, like, Eric, I see as a rock star because Eric is so good with development and he's, like, super organized and all that stuff. So, like, I, I recognize that not everybody needs a system to make themselves more effective, but I just wanted to share that with folks. If you're a person that, like, feels a little overwhelmed with project management or development of a product, maybe try breaking it down into the smallest little bite-sized chunks, put it on a post note, put it on a wall. This is going to sound stupid, but there's this idea of gamification as it comes to, like, corporate systems. And it, I can guarantee you, because we use it at work, it works. Like, there's something stupid to be said about me walking over to the wall picking up that post-it note and moving it from like the left side of my whiteboard to the right side where I have like the word done written on it. Like, I don't know why, but it's just like this little positive feedback. That's like, Oh, I finished this. I get to move it over now, you know? And at work, I can tell you, we have a system that's kind of like Facebook, but it's an internal system and it has a gamification element. And we did some stuff and like we upgraded the version of, of this underlying software. And when we did it, it kind of broke some of the gamification stuff. And some people lost their, their, you know, like their gamer score, but it's not, I mean, it's, it's whatever it is. 
And there was like an outcry, right? I mean, like people were like, hey, I lost my, like we were getting help desk tickets over it. So the gamification aspect of things is kind of a, you know, it, it, it works in many cases and it certainly seems like it's worked for me. So that's actually what I do with uh, the app to doist. Okay. Because it keeps track of, you know, you set a goal, you want to finish five tasks today and you want to finish 25 tasks this week. And as long as you meet your goal, your little um, karma points keep growing but if you miss a day, then you lose points. You lose your daily streak, you know? Oh, yeah. The nights that I'm like working late and it's like after midnight and I forgot to check something off, you know, two minutes ago. So then I miss my streak. I'm like, oh, man, I just wasted like six months of my life trying to keep this streak going. And it's interesting because it is it's all like in your head, right? It's all psychological. But I do think that that stuff helps. And for me, you know, the funny thing, like I've used I haven't used your to do app, but I've used you know to do apps in general. And and they are very helpful, but I find that like for some reason having actual physical post-it notes, like right. for me, I really, really register with that. Like it really seems to work. And uh, it's weird. I got back to work after taking some time off uh, this Monday. And the first thing I did is I grabbed some post-it notes and I started writing down all the stuff. And somebody came by and they were like, is this like a New Year's resolution thing? And I was like, you know, I, it wasn't meant to be. I just I actually I started doing this before the end of New Year's, but it's it proved to work out pretty well for me. So not technical advice, but again, it may be a good thing for you to try at home if you're if you're struggling to get your project off the ground. I think all of us have some kind of idea, but you know, from idea to finished product, uh, you know, some folks seem like they knock that stuff out in a month, and other folks like me, you know, I've been working on this idea for six months and haven't gotten anywhere. So uh, I was pretty excited about it. Pretty excited about it. Yeah, it's all about the focus. And I was going to say, what I do too is I I like digital everything. So I, I do Trello for each project if it's bigger than just some idea in my head and then uh, to do is for all then I move them all to there just to make sure I get them do them do them in order and I'm like you know so that way at night I can be like I gotta do this this and this and then I can goof off and do whatever I want so right right and uh, you do feel good about goofing off afterwards if you know you got done what you need to get done right right. like if if everything's in a row yeah so that's that's pretty cool oh and I should probably do a shameless plug here just because it's coming up and I've been uh, neglecting it I am holding this event called PHP Saturday and if you go to phpsaturday.org, we've got ticket sales up now. I think tickets are 25 or 30 bucks or something like that. They're, they're not that expensive. I'm also looking for speakers now. So uh, in fact, this thing I've been working on for six months is going to be used for me you know, for the speaker registration. So now I guess I'm putting myself on the line where I got to get this finished before this episode airs. Uh, but if you're in the Chicago area and you'd like to do some public speaking on PHP, we'd love to have you. So we'll plug there and uh, as long as we're plugging me, we should plug Eric has, of course, co-authored this book, Easy E-Commerce with Laravel and Stripe. And actually, you just did, I don't know if we talked about this yet, you just did a Stripe-based, um, was it a donation thing for your website? Right, yeah. Yeah, it was uh, just something simple and fast, and I just wanted to throw it together, and that's what I did. And then I was like, well, somebody might find use out of this. So then I just put it on GitHub and, and wrote a post about it. But And how long do you think it would take somebody to do what you did? Oh, probably five minutes. Oh, geez. Okay. Yeah, it was, it's just one controller and, and uh, that's it. And, and then that book that you, ha- the, the book that you have, does it kind of go into detail about like some of the stuff? I mean, I know it wasn't one for one for the book, but. Uh... um, It actually would come pretty close to that because it was used, because the way I did in this little donation thing was just use the uh, Stripe uh, JavaScript widget and uh, the book does cover that. Okay. It would kind of cover some of it. So it didn't even take any PHP code from that sense? Um, just a try and catch of the Stripe call. And that was it. That is pretty awesome. That falls into that category where, uh, have you ever, Eric, looked at something and you, you ignore it for a long time because it looks complicated or it seems like, uh, you know, I'll get to that one day, but like, I, I, you, you feel like you need like a month of vacation to dig into it before you start. 
And then you do it and you're like, this was totally easy. I should have done this like two years ago. I, I have to say, you know what was like that for me? And we talked about it on the past episode was Homestead. Oh, yes. Right. Because I wasn't using Homestead. I was using MAMP. And, and Eric is like, Jack, come on, man. You got to be using Homestead. And I finally did it. And it's great now because now I catch things like case sensitivity errors in development instead of when I push them to prod and stuff like that. So I think that's all we have time for this uh, this week. Um, Eric, uh, anything else on your end? Uh, nope. Nope. Nothing here. All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll be back in two weeks. See you then. This concludes this episode of the Laravel News Podcast. If you like the show, please rate it five stars on iTunes. If you have feedback for the podcast, please email us at podcast at laravel-news.com. Thanks for listening. This episode of the Laravel News Podcast was sponsored by StormPath. StormPath.com. User identity made simple.